0: so good to be in the house today. Amen. You know, I like days like this because it just kind of feels like family. Yes. And, um, you know, that's really what church is and, and the body of Christ. It's just family. Now, Torea, you can just sit down for a minute. She's like she, She's singing and then she grabs the camera. She's, this girl's working. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Wasn't that beautiful? Um, you know, it was funny because Meg looked over at me and she said, um, watch CJ when she's singing. Because it's just, I love it. It's just, it's fun to watch. You could tell he just he just loves her, just adores her. And, and um, you know, you can always tell um, when you have a strong man when he can just say, go baby, go. And, um, you know, Marion and I, we've been married uh, 28, 28 28, right? 20. <laughs> yeah, 28. And um, you know, that's one thing that in a, in our marriage, he's always been cheered. He was all he's always cheered me on, and and we've never had competition in our life. And I, and I love to see other couples in ministry um, that that do that as well. Um, it's just a really beautiful thing because I believe that's how the body of Christ is. And um, so listen, today is going to be different. You know, normally I put a really well-planned message together that's just one thought and kind of divide it out. Can I just be honest? Like, I've studied for days and like, I ain't got nothing. I mean, hours and hours sitting. uh, I can't say I don't have anything, because I do, but I just don't have like, you know, like a passage that I can just like, you know, just break out and exegesis and really, you know, divide. And and, and we're in this series called Pillars, and I'm like, well, I got like 50 pillars that I could share, you know? I'm like, well, we don't have time for 50 pillars. Um, So I thought, you know, today we've watched our... Children graduate from kindergarten b kids littles to bee kids students, and uh, how about Kennedy and her pose that that just that just took the cake today I mean that was just awesome and uh, but if we can raise up children that have confidence in who God made them to be, the power of that is huge. And then, and then we our babies dedicated. And and uh, I told Jeremiah and Gideon, I, 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 have they already gone to class? I said, you guys were making me yawn because they were up there like, yeah, come on, Pastor, you know. <laughs> and. Uh, Jeremiah is almost as tall as his dad now. It's crazy. And uh, just, just, it's just fun to watch. Like, it's, it's life. And, um, you know, I was talking to Aletha's mom. I call it Pottier, And she laughs. She's like, that ain't it. You know, it's, it's way pot-ier. Pottinger. 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 Miss Pottinger. And she said, you know, I love being here because, what did you say? You just said there's life. And of course, if you've got Mason and Elon in the house, you know, you know there's life. Mason, I forgot your purse at my house. I'll bring it this week. Um, but that's what I love about life, when there's life. So yesterday, I was, I was um, jogging over at Shiltoe, and I don't know if you were up early yesterday, but it was kind of like today, like it felt, it has this like beginning of fall in the air, and, and, you know, we had students go back to school this week, and teachers go back to their classrooms this week. And so it's just kind of like this whole season of change. And as, as I was in the Terea singing and, and, and what God's doing in her life, and this concert was a promise that she made to her mom before she passed too young. Her mom passed too young. But she said, please use your gift. And so she's written these songs, and, and it's a really a tribute to, to her mom. And, and so I don't know. It's just like all those things, all the feel-goods, you know? And Pastor looked at me he's like, he's like, wow, like today just kind of feels like a celebration. And, and so I, I thought, you know, I thought, I just, I just want to share some thoughts. Is that okay today? So in 21 days, I'm going to be 50. And, and some of you are saying, oh, you're just a pup. And those of you that say, oh, you're just a pup, I love you more every day. (laughs) And then some of you are like, man, you've lived like twice my lifetime, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) And and so I thought, you know, okay, I fear you know when you're approaching 50, you like it gives you like the right to like say a few things like well, here's a few things that work for me that didn't work for me or whatever. And so let me say this, I certainly don't know it all by any means, but the few things I'm going to talk about today, they are grounded in scripture. So I know that scripture is truth. That's unchanging. Now here's what I also know. When I'm 70 or 80, I may come back and recount everything my interpretation of whatever I say today. <laughs> Because the scripture says we see through a glass dimly, right? So the lens of how we see life, it changes consistently. And, and that is important for us to know. You know, when you are living life, you know, we talk about family here. One thing that I think is important is that we give each other the grace and the space to grow how many of you are the same person, think exactly the same way, live exactly the same way that you did 10 years ago? Anybody in here? Same. No. Because we all grow, we all change, we all see things differently. God gives us revelation. Revelation is its what an uncovering of the truth. So when we, when God continues to uncover things in our lives, we get a greater understanding of what those things mean. So, you know, as a family, let's just give each other the space and grace to grow together. Is that okay? So today, um, I wanted to share a quote with you. It's by a guy um, named Gregory the Great, and he said this, Scripture is like a river, broad and deep, shallow enough here for the lamb to go, waiting, but deep enough here for the elephant to swim. And I don't know if today if you're the young lamb that's waiting, or you may have been in church your whole life. I can't remember the first time you walked into a church building, and you're like the elephant. Today, I just hope that some of the things that we talk about may be simple enough for the young lamb, but deep enough that the elephant can swim too. Because we all view and see things from different places. And uh, so, is that okay? Can we just kind of just jump in? Um, are you ready? Okay, let's dive in. So why are pillars important? We talked about this, this series about pillars of life. Why are they important? Because pillars are what the foundation of how we grow, of what we build our life on. I grew up uh, the daughter of a block mason. And one thing that I learned is that you have to make sure you dig out the ground. You, then you have to pour the footer, and then you set the pillars on top of that. So not only do you have pillars, but you kind of have the footer that all of that grows and, and stands on. And, and why is that in, it, why are pillars so important? Because you have to have things that you go back to um, that are kind of like consistent things in your life that hold things up, that make things strong and steady. Um, You know, when Marion and I went on our 10th wedding anniversary, we went up to New Hampshire and um, I remember my mom and dad, they kept... Parker and Pierce, and we were like, "Woohoo! let's get away, you know. Um, so side note, this is not in my pillars, but those of you who are married and have children, and they're still living at home, make sure you go away on vacation without them, because now our kids are out of the house. And guess what? We still love each other. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we established on that 10-year anniversary were what we call our rocks, Um, the the steady the the, the things that you know when you have a big when you when like you go into the Carolinas and you see those big you know water rushing down that's a river those streams you see in the middle of these big massive rocks those rocks do not move now the, the stones and the pebbles around it they move but the rocks stay So these are some of our rocks that I want to share with you today because there were some things in our life that we just set in as pillars and said, these are pillars in our life that everything else will ebb and flow around. Now, I don't have time to give you all those pillars today. I'm just going to give you a a few thoughts, and since it is kind of a family day, I'm going to kind of shifts some of the focus around the life of family and children. Um, But one of the reasons that it's so important to have pillars or consistency in our life is because those are the things that lead us and guide us. Now, as I was preparing yesterday... I was sitting on the front porch. Got a front porch and a back porch, and uh, I had been studying out on the back porch. And then I went out to the front porch, and I was like, I'd, I'd been noticing it, but you know how the Holy Spirit just kind of prompts things. And Jesus always taught in pictures. He always took things in front of him and made and made a sermon out of it. So I'm just following in his. I'm just following his example today. So, so don't take it lightly. Like, oh, it's not really serious. This is not spiritual enough. I'm doing exactly what Jesus did. So get over it. Okay, so. This, this flower here and this flower here, they both come from, the, from our house. Um, they are the same flower. They were bought at the same nursery, King's Nursery, just right down the road, put in the same bag of soil. The same bag of soil was put into both of these pots. What is the difference in these two flowers? One has flowers and one doesn't. Yeah, just like a couple. Yeah, and those are the ones that like were on the front like just getting a little bit of sun. So the difference between them is that, yeah, one has, one's flowering, and one is really struggling to flower. So one of the principles I want to give you today is this, environment matters. One flower was in a shady spot, this one over here and one flower was in a sunny spot. And actually I have four of these, they're lantanas. My grandma used to call them buttons, but uh, they're lantanas, and, and I have four of them, and two, are, two look just like this on my front porch, and two look just like this on the back porch, because the back gets sun and the front gets shade. And a botanist would tell you that there are some essential ingredients that are important for the best environment for a flower to bloom. And it's these four things, sunlight, water, soil, and maintenance. Jesus said this about sun. He's in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads you to life. You know, I remember growing up, um, I had a set of cousins, still have a set of cousins. um, They went through a really hard time, lost their dad to cancer. um, Mom was really struggling. And this is what I remember as a child when I would go visit their home. There was a basement Remember the years when we all had paneling on our walls, like the dark paneling, you know? And the shag carpet, it was orange or green or yellow, or like mustard color. Yeah, the refrigerator was mustard yellow. Now, I'm, now I am, yeah. Remember, I'm going to be 50 in 21 days. <laughs> I'm sounding old now. But we would, when I'd go over to visit with my mom, the kids were always downstairs, and it was a big difference than how i was raised because we were always outside and literally like they would like whistle ring the bell whatever and then you knew like it was time to come in for dinner because we were outside playing all day but these this other family they were always in the basement and it was always dark and i remember as a kid like like why are they always in the basement that seems weird and from that just very simple truth i learned don't let my kids live in the basement all the time. I mean, that seems really basic, but it's true. Because things don't grow in darkness, things grow in the light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So when we shift ourselves into his light, then we can begin to grow. But when we allow ourselves to be shaded by darkness all the time, then we don't become who God's called us to be. Water. Jesus said this. Remember when he was at the, he was, uh, he stayed back at the well when the disciples went on and he encountered the Samaritan woman and, um, They start to have this whole conversation. You know the story. And he tells her, you know, you don't have one husband. You've had five and you're living with the one. And and, and they had this whole conversation. He's like, she said, I'm just here to get water. And he's like, well, if you'd ask me, I could give you water that you'll never thirst again. In John chapter four, verse 10, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So for us to bloom as God has called us to do, because each and every one of us have gifts, our own unique set of gifts, and when we bloom to, be, to show off to be who God called us to be, because each of us in our own, we should just be like Kennedy, just like show off and be who God called you to be. Our gifts, our talents, who we are, we have to have light, we have to have water, and both of those come from being connected with the source. And that is Jesus. And then the soil is just simply the right mixture of everything that's important in life. And then maintenance, consistent care. You know, because just like caring for ourselves is not a one-time deal. Like we can't make the decision, uh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to follow Christ. And then we make that decision and it's just done. It's constantly, John Maxwell calls it this, he calls it the law of navigation. And it's interesting because the other day I was walking through Whole Foods and and I used to have a really set pattern of like, I really liked the salad bar and the hot bar at Whole Foods. Can I get an amen? Well, when COVID came and the whole thing got shut down, I really kind of got out of the habit of just going to the salad bar at Whole Foods. So well, I was in there the other day and, I'm, and I was walking and get, getting salad for, for Marion and I for dinner. And I don't know, I just had this like moment of nostalgia. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when like, I just had a consistent rhythm of this is what I did and this is how I got my salad. And then, and then yesterday I was at the park. And I don't know, it was just like the rhythms and the Holy Spirit just reminded me. The rhythms of your life that bring consistency in your life are important because we're coming off of summer, we've been traveling, we've been doing things, life gets busy, and all of a sudden, John Maxwell calls it like, when he talks about the law of navigation, he says, you know, you set, you set your direction or you set your course. Say we're in Lexington and we're flying and our direction, or we want to get to, uh, I don't know, Columbus, Ohio. But if that compass gets off and just a few little small things adjust the navigation on that airplane, before you know it, it could be headed to Indianapolis thinking it's going to Columbus. And that's kind of how it is in our life. When we get really busy, the decisions that we've made in the past, just because we made that decision doesn't necessarily mean we're still on the path to see that, the resolve of that decision. So I just want to encourage you kind of as we're in this season of getting back to school and life starts to settle in, go back to the rhythms, the spaces of grace in your life that bring you strength, that bring you sunlight, that bring you moisture, that bring you the soil that you need, just that continual maintenance. Is that simple? Simple, but not easy. easy. (laughs) Yes, okay. So the environment you place yourself in, the environment you place your children in, it matters. It matters, it matters, it matters. Okay, number two, your words have the power to bless and to curse. Words matter. Yes, they do. The words you speak over your life. The words you speak over the life of your children, the words you speak to others have great power. And especially the words you speak, especially the words, number one, you speak to yourself. Pastor says it a lot. Sometimes we're our worst critic, aren't we? And when we don't speak life to ourselves, it's hard to speak life to others. So first, speak life to yourself. And then understand the power as a parent that your words have great power over your children. James 3.10 says this, "'And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth.'" Ah, oh, I hate that. Don't, I, you know, like you could say one thing in one minute and then one thing, you know, five hours later or five minutes later. And you're like, how out of the same mouth can blessing and cursing go? But that's what James said happens. And I know we can all say an amen. We understand when like positive, negative, how is this happening? And then he goes on in James 1.10, he says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. Because when we're not slow to speak, when we're swift to speak, that's often when blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. Now, it's interesting because as I was studying this out, I was thinking about, you know who James is? James is the brother of who? Jesus. Okay. So we believe that James, the book of James, was actually the first book written in the New Testament. Now, think about it. Okay. So Marion and I have two sons. You have two sons, Jesus and James were brothers. Now, can you imagine if your brother or your sibling came to you? Josh, if your brother said, hey, I just want you to know, man, like I'm the Messiah, like Savior of the world, dude, like you need to worship me, and you would be like, whatever. I mean, that's James, like grew up in a home with Jesus, and, and it, it, think how hard that would be. Man, that would really stink. But James wrote these words. He called himself a servant of the Most High. This was, of course, after Jesus had died, was resurrected. He doesn't call himself, yeah, I'm the brother of Jesus. You need to just, you know, you need to just worship me. You need to celebrate me. He just says, I'm a servant of the Most High. Can you imagine what he felt like? He could have said so many things, but he just said, I'm a servant of the most high. Now Jesus had died, he had defeated death, hell and the grave. I mean, he had everybody that had questioned who he was. Now they're like, "Whoa, yeah, okay. So I, this is really this is really true. Like you died, you rose again. And it's I love this passage of scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 7. So when Jesus had died, he had defeated death, hell and the grave. Who do you think was the first person he went to after he was resurrected? His brother. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, 15 verse 7 it says this. He was seen. Now, others had seen him, but this was his choice. He was seen by James and then all the apostles. I love that Jesus went to see his brother first. That shows like what an amazing camaraderie, what what a feeling of family they must have grown up in. So, parents, I think that the message for us in this is: parents cultivate an environment of celebration for all your children. Now, Marion and I, we were at the pool earlier this summer, and you know, I, he, he puts in his, we both put in our AirPods or our Airbuzz or whatever, you know, we don't really talk. He puts on his music. I'll put on a book. He'll be like, are you listening to another book? And I'm like, yeah, you know, and, and, and I'm like, are you listening to another country song? And he's like, whatever. And, and so, but we were sitting there and uh, I see him like getting agitated. Now remember he's, you know, he's a challenger and I'm a peacemaker and he's getting like and he starts like whispering under his breath. And he's like, she said, what is she doing? I don't, think she, I don't think you were used the word idiot. I can't remember what you said, but you might have said she's stupid or something. I don't know, but he was getting very frustrated. And so I took my uh, pods out and I'm like, what are you, what's so, what are you doing? You know, and he's like, nothing. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, watch his family over here. And I'm like, watch his family. He's like, yeah. This, this woman, she's crazy. And I'm like, what? He's like, you just watch. Well, they had two sons. And and one of them was probably on the dive team or something like that. And he's on the diving board. His mom and dad are standing, like right in front, you know, and this part they could stand in, the diving board's in the 12-foot section. And the little boy, I would say he's probably, what, 10, 11, something like that. So he's diving, and then dad, you can tell that dad's like, yeah, yeah, good job, you know. And the and the mom's like, nope, not good enough, and starts t- telling him all the things that he's doing wrong. Well, Marion used to die when he was in his in his younger years, and uh, he was a lifeguard too. That's how he got all the chicks. And so, <laughs> so, so here's this mom. And, 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 and he's like, I know what a good dive is. That was a good dive. I mean, look at his hands, the position of his hands, how his toes were pointed. That For a, for a 10, 11-year-old boy, this was good. But every the boy would do it, and then she would, t- instead of just say, instead of anything positive, she'd tell him everything he did wrong, get back up. And And finally, by, I don't know, maybe four or five or six times, I mean, he's, now he's, like, there's fumes coming out of his ears. <laughs> And I actually thought is he going to go over and like say something to this woman? I'm like, "Oh Jesus, no, no. There's times I have to remind him, you're a pastor in town." And and so um, so <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> it's just family today, right? So so the kid so he does this over and over and you could tell the dad's like, "Yeah, son, you got this." You know, she kept saying over. Finally, I think 6 7 times later, she finally he does something that's good enough for her. She's like, well, that that's good, you know. And because uh, every time he come out, and she had actually gotten to a chair, he come he come out of the diet, and she sat her chair right by the, the ladder. And every time he get up, she'd be waiting to. There's nothing worse than that. talk about blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. Like, man, back it up, mom. And so he would go and do it again. And then they all got the family, the two sons, the mom and dad got in the pool and they started playing this game of who could jump further out in the pool. Well, the one boy is like 10 or 11 and the other one's like probably six or seven. So he's considerably smaller. But the parents were like celebrating the boy, like they were setting the bar for the older brother and the little brother couldn't reach it. So he was just getting so frustrated. Well, by this time, I mean, I'm like, honey, maybe we should just go home and grill out because we're, you know, we just need to sit down with these parents and have a serious lesson on competition and what you do to your children. But it it really, it, it brings home the importance of blessing and cursing. It brings home the importance of the words that we speak. Because virtually every child, young or old, is open to receiving words of blessing. Listen, I'm going to be 50 in 21 days, and I still like it when my mom and, te- my mom and dad give me words of blessing uh, and not words of cursing. We all love to hear words of blessing. Phrases like, I believe in you. Amen. I know you will make the right decision. Dr. Jim Burns, he is uh, the director of what's called the Homeward Center for Youth and Family. He says this really powerful statement. And I think it's, it's fitting coming off of Pastor Chuck last week. Every child needs at least one significant adult who is irrationally positive about them. Now Chuck is that for my son, for our sons? He's like irrational, like Parker. You could be president if you want. Pierce, you could do. You could fly to the moon. I mean, like irrationally positive about everyone in his life. He's like, you are so awesome. You are, and it's interesting because as we were last week when we were in Pikeville and we were cleaning up Miss um, Esther's house, and um, we were shoving the floor and sweeping, the guys were like, pit, like I don't know, like. What were you doing? Like getting the OSB board up, all the wet, hard. And then left was like the lighter pieces. So, so Emily and I were like sweeping it and, and kind of doing tag. One was sweeping and one had a shovel that we were sweeping it into and Chuck went over and started telling her like how she needed to do it. And he's like, Oh my gosh, I feel like my dad right now. And I, and I looked at him kind of funny and he said, yeah, growing up, my dad was like, Chuck, it's not enough. Chuck, you never do it right. Chuck, it's always this Chuck. I just stopped and I'm like, dude, you need a therapy session right now. Cause clearly like, you are still dealing with this. He's like, no, it just brought back a memory. But you think in 50 years, Those are still something that he was thinking about when his dad would say, not good enough. Never enough. Wow. The power of our words. Um, So every child needs at least one significant adult who is irrationally positive about them. That is like the opposite of how we really raise our kids. You know, they say for every six, for every Negative statement, there should be six positives. Yeah. And I feel like our world is kind of the reverse of all that. And I've certainly not lived up to all this, um, but healthy communication is a learned skill. Yes, it is. And so I just want to give you a few things, especially moms and dads, that are important as you're raising your kids. A few thoughts that might be helpful, but you can use it in anything. The first one is, ask open-ended questions. Yeah. So an open-ended question has no agenda. An open-ended question has no right answer. For example, if you ask, son, daughter, what do you think is the right sport for you? You're not giving an answer. You're just leaving it open. Versus, or or, I'm sorry, if you ask, "Do do you think that is the right sport for you? I'm not really asking a question. I'm giving my opinion in a question form. Where if I say, I don't know, son, daughter, which sporting opportunity seems most aligned with what you love? You're giving them the space. Create space for dialogue. You know, I've had people in my life that always ask, they do not ask open-ended questions. Don't ask questions that you're giving the answer when you're asking the question. Secondly, talk to your child or anyone for that matter, don't talk at them. Talk to them, not at them. If there's no space for dialogue, then you are talking at them. One of the ways um, Marion and I kind of over the years, I feel like I'm picking on you, but I'm really not, babe, Again, because he's a challenger. So it's kind of easier for me to, to do that. But he he's, you know, we're not all peacemakers in the room, right? There's some challengers in the room. And when he would get upset about something, especially like it work-related or staff-related, he said one day, he said, you know, I figured it out what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to talk to other people like I would want somebody to talk to my son. I'm going to talk to them like a father. I'm going to talk to them and try not to talk at them. Not that we've <laughs> Not, listen, we're all, we're all human too, so speak words of grace. When in doubt, shower your child with grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. When our children or anyone else close to us experience our grace, especially when something goes wrong, our unmerited favor reflect the character and the grace of God. I love the story that Ruth Graham, they, apparently her, uh, Billy Graham's daughter, uh, Billy and Ruth, uh, what's his, what's Billy Graham's wife's name? What was it? Ruth, yeah, okay, Ruth, yes. And, but apparently they had a daughter named Ruth too, that's why all of a sudden I got confused. She had um, gone through divorce, so she was older, they had children, she had gone through a divorce. And after the divorce, she kind of hit a quick rebound on her marriage. Uh, she kind of hit a quick rebound. And all of a sudden, she married this guy like with, within no time. She said, as soon as I married him and we, like in the first week, she thought, I have made a big mistake. And she said, at that moment, I thought, okay, what do I do? Where do I go? So she called her mom and dad and said, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to head home. And she said that she had, because of security at the house, um, she had to call when she was getting close to let the gate open. So she said when she drove up, her dad was standing there. She said, in that moment, I thought, what's Billy going to (laughs) say? You know, what's dad going to say? And he looked at his daughter, who'd just gone through a divorce. Her husband had been cheating on her. She rebounded into a marriage, decided that it wasn't the right one, and he looked at her and said, he called her Bunny. Welcome home, Bunny. Gave her a hug. She said, you know, the whole time I was waiting for him to say, when you got time, girl, let's sit down and talk. Um, You know, I told you so. If you just listen to me, it never came. She said it was the love of her parents, the space of grace, that they gave her that allowed her to heal. But you know, in that moment, her dad wanted to say a lot. You know, parents, there's times when you really wanna say a lot. I don't know about you, my tongue has some scars of when I had to bite it. And parents, I wanna encourage you. We don't do it all right, but there are just times when we just have to speak words of grace. Discipline your tongue to speak what is needed in the moment to create positive change. That's not always hard. Easy, is it, parents? Are you all like, oh yeah, I got this? Anybody else kind of hard for? Like, anybody else have scars on your tongues? Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, here's an acronym that might help you remember. An acronym that might help you remember this: Live a life filled with awe, affection, warmth, and encouragement. A life filled with awe. Feeling A feeling of liking and caring for someone, that's affection. Warmth, the quality of being warm. You know, there's nothing like when it's been cold. You know, like when it's like January, February, and you fly south, and you get off the plane, or you finally get, you know, like you drive into a a state that's warm, and the feeling of warmth on your skin, you're like, oh. It just feels like it just envelops you. It feels so good. That's what we want those around us to feel like. And encouragement. Giving someone support, confidence, hope. Stimulating development. Another pillar. The power of remembering. Psalms chapter 19. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. Fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. And when we think of the word law, we think of rules. We think of restrictions. Um, We think of uh, who was the guy that came? What was that movie? Now, okay, now I feel young. Who was the guy that came off like that was in the Ten Commandment movie? Charlton Heston. Yeah, see, I was even young when that came out. But when, when he came down off the mountain, he was like, you know, we, we have this like picture of like the rod, like it, everything's so, you know, but, but really what the psalmist tells us here is that the laws of God are sweeter than the honeycomb. When I think about laws, instead of thinking about rules, instead of thinking about restrictions, I think of it this way. Think of them as guardrails. Because when you are going on a really curvy road, you want guardrails, right? Like when you're on a road and there's no guardrail, you're like, oh, you know, kind of stay away from that. I always wonder like, why didn't they put one there? It seems kind of crazy. Like there's a cliff there. But guardrails, when there are guardrails, that allows you to run at a fast pace, drive at a speed you want to go with. And that's really kind of what laws are. They're the, law, they're the things that keep us in a place of health to let us run our very best life. So don't look about laws like, oh, it's what I can't do, what I can't say, where I can't go. They're the guardrails to allow you to run at your very best. So in Psalms chapter 19, verse 4, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous and they are more precious than gold. They are more pure. They are more than, they are more than pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey on the honeycomb. But them, your servant, is warned, In keeping them, there is great reward. There's great reward when we allow the laws of God to rule our life. There's great reward when we set guardrails on our road and on our path that allow us to keep running. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. It's not something harsh. It's not something burdensome. In Scripture, the Lord often repeats many times the words "remember" or "think about it." Selah, remember. We see that all throughout Scripture, and there's a there's a Hebrew word called Zakar, and God re- repeats this word, "remember." He repeats it so that we'll get it. How many times as a child did you feel like your mom like had to call your name, not once, but twice, not twice, but three times, and then they added the middle name and then they added the last name just to get your attention. And this is kind of what God does. He just keeps saying it over and over again. Remember, silah, remember, remember. So when, when we hear something that's repeated over and over again, it's just simply to get our attention. And this word zikar means remember or looking back at God's faithful record in their life. Looking back, but in this Hebrew interpretation, it was looking back. You know, have you ever gone and you started looking at old pictures or old letters? You found like an old box and something inside of you is like, you probably shouldn't go there but instead you go there and you start reading the letters and looking at the cards and looking at the pictures and before you know it you're sitting there you're depressed you're in a pile of tears you're like my life sucks oh i mean regret and all this starts and this is not the kind of remembering that god's telling us to do it's a car it's remembering something the goodness of god that moves us forward to what he has for us that's the understanding of this word remember in scripture and in moments we see in biblical characters all throughout the bible when we see a biblical character they're going through a difficult stage something ho- horrible's happened in their life and they don't know what to do they don't know where to go what are the next steps it's in those moments of uncertainty that takes a season of, that we see them take a season of pause to remember what God has been. The things that God has done in that remembering. You know, there's, there's um, I don't know the exact under, uh, the definition, but for the word Sabbath, we think of it just like it's a day, like Sunday, like keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy, you know. But Sabbath actually, I think Pastor said this a few weeks ago, it's actually a day of rest and remembrance and celebration. Now, churches, I feel like, especially in our Western culture, because we don't have a clear understanding of the Hebrew meaning, we're like, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Be at church Sunday morning, or you're a sinner. I mean, but that's not really what it was. Sabbath was remembering and celebrating. Zakar. And when you, have you ever sat around with family or friends and you just start talking about like the goodness of God and oh yeah, remember that time when he did this and God did that. Remember this and you start telling stories and I don't know, maybe you're sitting around a fire or having dinner together and all of a sudden, what do you feel? You feel like celebration. You feel good. Like, yes, God is good. I remember when he did that. And there's been times when I couldn't remember anything because I was so stuck in my mess. I had to start just retelling other people's stories, remembering the goodness of God in their life to bring me out of my muck and mire just to get back to remembering what good things he had done in my life. But when we don't know what to do, in a season of our life, stop, pause, sila, settle, think about the goodness of God This is important. Go back to the last thing that God said to you and wait. So often we're just running, running, running. We're like, I'll catch it. I'll grab it. I'll do it. And God's like, nope, just go back and remember. Just go back and wait. Because when we go back and wait to the last thing God told us, it's often in those moments that we get clarity for the next step and how to keep moving forward. And then the last thought is make every marble count. Now, every August we talk about this. Thank you, Zaya. I'm on my last point. Every every August we talk about this because we're always doing baby dedication and the kids are graduating. I wish somebody had told me this when I was at baby dedication, when we were dedicating our sons. I wish somebody had even told us that in kindergarten because I remember when our kids were young, I felt like I was just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I was probably a good mom. I don't know. You'd ask Parker Pierce that, but I always felt kind of tired and like, oh my gosh, like whew, this is heavy. It's like a big thing, and 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 I wish that I had learned the lesson of the marbles earlier. So in this lesson, there's this this jar represents how many marbles from birth to graduation or to 18, there are 936 marbles. These marbles represent a week. 936 weeks that you have from the time that your child is born to the time they graduate from high school. Now, when they are born, that 936, it feel, you feel the weight of it. Like You're like, that's a long time, man. They're never going to graduate. They do. It goes fast. Trust me. By the time they're nine years old, 468 marbles. Think about that. You almost lost half your marbles. (laughs) Don't feel bad. Pastor and I, we've lost all our marbles. 468 marbles by the time they're nine years old. And then from the time they're nine till the time they start driving, is another 312 marbles. And parents, those of you that have had children that have turned 16, what happens when they turn 16? Like, you don't see them much more. Once they get those wheels, they're like, see you later, mom. See you later, dad. You know, it changes. It just starts to change. I mean, while you still love them and there's still family connection, there's something that changes when they start driving. But just in that time, from nine to 16, Another 312 marbles. When I think about the fact that we have 960, 936 marbles, it kind of brings an intentionality, and that's why we share it every August. Today, when you leave, you're going to get a little statue with some marbles in it, because parents, grandparents, it's important. You have 936 weeks that your child lives under your roof. And by the time they're nine, half of those are gone. So I'm not trying to depress all the parents today. (laughs) I am just attempting to illustrate to you that it goes really, really fast. Just enjoy. Enjoy your time with your kids. Love life. Sit around the table and tell stories and do fire pits and make marshmallows and just enjoy life. Yes, there's structure, and yes, there's boundaries, and yes, there's all that. But just lighten up, parents. Just have fun with your kids because they are gone before you know it. They are gone before you know it. So be very, very intentional. The challenge of today is for us to take every marble and make it count. Now, this last jar has 42 marbles in it. Look at, I mean, look at me. This is a big difference, isn't it? From this to this is a big difference, right? This is 936 marbles. Look at the difference. This is what you parents have, 936 marbles. This marble, 42, this is what the church has with your children. So when you think about vacations, time, that you're at church, maybe an hour or two a week, today a little bit more than two, sorry about that. Um, But when you think about the time, or the influence that church has in your family's life or your child's life, wow, 42. That's it, 42 weeks out of their whole zero to 18 years. So when we go back to the very first thought about environment matters, that's why it's so important to find a space, to find a family, to lock in to a church family, a church family that becomes family to you. Don't just come in and out every Sunday and not talk to anybody. Let your kids become friends with with people that they go to church with. Go out to lunch with families after church. Make it your community, that when you come in, that you say, oh, there's so-and-so, and you give them a hug, and oh, you know, like, hey, you know, Mason and Elon were over at my house this week, weren't you? We were playing ladder ball together, but really what they wanted to see was Tyson the dog. But you know, what I love about that is that they know I have a dog named Tyson, and that they're a part of my life, and I'm a part of their life. And I think, you know, when they're older, they'll remember that time when we stood in the backyard and played ladder ball and played with the dog and played catch. But that's intentional. Yeah. That doesn't just happen. That's right. So grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, maybe you have no children. But you know what? You can be a mentor to somebody. Yeah. You could be a mentor to someone that comes in here on a Sunday morning. Maybe a single mom that's got a son. Say, man, I can... I could be a friend to that young man. I can make a difference in their life. Be intentional about your decisions. So to kind of wrap it up, environment matters. What are the four ingredients? Sun, water, soil, maintenance. Environment matters. Words matter. Blessing and cursing. It's your choice. The power of remembering Zakar. Stop, pause, think about the goodness of God because that will give you the strength to move forward. And then every marble counts. Just stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, I I know that we just kind of hit a lot of stuff today, and kind of simple. But Lord, I ask that you would just kind of trigger our hearts today, just as you did mine. What are the things that each of us need to focus on individually? Is it the soil, the water, living in the light, putting guardrails on our path, cherishing every week that we have with our children, knowing that it's passing quickly? Our words, God, give us the discipline to speak life into our children and those around us. Lord, no matter what it is today, I pray that whatever decisions we need to make as parents, as grandparents, as friends, family, aunts, uncles, Lord, we know we can't do it on our own. So we just lift our hands to you, God, today and say. Give us the strength that whatever environment we're in, God, we can bring everything that you are in us to the place that we are in that moment, that we can just simply be present because you're so good. You are so good, Lord. And as we step back from the busyness of the season, of the summer, Lord, just settle our hearts and our minds to remember your goodness. Your goodness and mercy follow us. Lord, that you're our Savior, that you brought us life, God. And if we're not experiencing that today, Lord, just draw us back to the warmth of who you are. Lord, like when Ruth came home to her dad, just welcome home. Lord, let us be this place. Let this place be that for each other and for our community. When they walk in, just welcome home. The warmth of our love, the warmth of our words, the strength of our words, the truth of our words, God, would just be warmth to those that maybe are walking cold seasons, Lord, just let it be warmth. For those in this room, Lord, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, we just ask today that you would enter our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We ask you to come into our hearts and we call you our Lord, we call you our Savior to become King of our life. You're the one, you're the only. Just set on the throne of my heart, as my king, as my Lord. It's just that simple. Lord, I thank you as we leave this week, in this week, you'll give us strength to just be everything you've called us to be. Lord, just to show off your blooms and who you've called us to be. And we thank you for that. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. We love you. See you Friday night.